Hello, you're listening to The 30 Minute Expert, the podcast that aims to make you an expert on a chosen topic in 30 minutes. And this episode is designed to make you an expert on American football. Uh, American football evolved from rugby and football, and it is the most popular sport in the United States. The first game was played back in 1869, and the professional game is governed by the NFL, overseeing 32 teams in two conferences. The regular season games average 16.5 million viewers. Yet here in the UK, only 10% of those surveyed say they have any interest in the sport whatsoever, with even fewer following it or understanding it. Here to help us understand it and to try and make you an expert on the topic is Nicole McCulloch, chair of the British American Football Association. Hello, James. So the title you hold gives us already a pretty good insight into your position in the world of American football, but perhaps you could just shed a little light on how your interest and expertise has got you into the position of being an expert for us today. Um, Well, I think that um, having grown up in the US for the first 28 years of my life and having several members of my family um, actually play both college and American football for the NFL, um, it's a sport that I've been around since I was born effectively. Um, And I've now been working with the British American Football Association for over two years, looking to grow the sport here in the UK and developing relationships with the NFL and the Canadian Football League. Marvellous. So in its most basic and simple form, how does one play American football? What are the objectives and basic sort of rules and, and premises of the game? So I think the basic objective is, like most sports, is you want to score more points than your opponent. And the way to do that in American football is by moving the ball forward to what is called an end zone. So an American football field, and we use the word fields, not pitch, um, is around 100 yards long in 10-yard increments. So effectively, you want, as the offense or the attacking team, to move that ball forward by either throwing it, running it, or kicking it into your opponent's end zone. Um, there are 11 players from each team on the field at any time. So there's 22 players in total. And you either have your offensive team or your defensive team on the field. So you'll rotate those players in and out. Um, There's a couple of different ways that you can score in American football. So the first thing, which I think most people are familiar with, is the touchdown. Um, The touchdown is worth six points, and you get to score that by either catching or running the ball into the end zone. Um, After somebody scores a touchdown, you can then try for what they call an extra point. So if you kick the ball um, and you get a field goal, that is one point. Or if you want to run the ball again into the end zone, that gives you two points. The other ways to score in American football is by kicking a field goal, which can be done anywhere on on the field. Obviously, the closer you are, the better chance you have of scoring. And that gives your your, your team three points. And you can also score something called a safety, which means that the defensive team um, has pushed a member of the offense or attacking team back into their own end zone. And that's worth two points. Now, American football is a really simple game at a high level. However, it starts to get a little bit more complicated when you start to get down into the detail. So a couple of really key points I think people need to know when they're watching the game for the first time is the way that the offense moves the ball forward is something called downs, which means we need to move the ball forward in chunks of 10 yards. So each team has four chances to gain 10 yards. 
So, for example, when the center hikes the ball to the quarterback, the quarterback then has to make a decision whether or not he wants to throw the ball or he wants to pass it off to a team member and then they run the ball. What they need to do is to try to get 10 yards or more either by throwing or by running it. So if they only get, say, seven yards, they haven't hit the objectives. So it goes to something called second and three, which means that they're now on their second try to get 10 yards and they've got three more yards to go. So the team sets up again, the center hikes to the quarterback and the quarterback again makes that decision. So if he throws the ball and the person who catches it is 12 yards away, that's great news because they've hit their objective of getting 10 yards and the downs then reset to one. So then they have another chance of four downs to move the ball 10 yards each time. So when I talked earlier about the quarterback making a decision whether or not he throws the ball or it's run by his team members, they make that decision together and the quarterback or the coach will call what in American football is called a play. Um, there are honestly, there are hundreds of different plays that can be run both offensively and defensively. So if you look at a soccer, you have, you know, a, a finite amount really of different formations a team can play in. Whereas in American football, the different, and they're called routes that players can run in and how you set up, um, can be potentially endless. So the quarterback or the head coach will make that call and then the ball goes into play. Um, the Play stops effectively when whoever has the ball has been tackled um, or has fumbled the ball. A fumble simply means that someone has dropped the ball um, and your opponent can collect the ball or hopefully you can maintain sort of contact with that. The quarterback can also be sacked by the defense before the ball is thrown or um, run. Um, and the quarterback, if he throws the ball and the receiver the guy that's supposed to catch it doesn't catch the ball. That's called an incomplete pass and the play sort of resets back up. So you say there are all sort of these different routes, these hundreds of different routes to kind of pre-plan and they discuss which one. So it's very much kind of a rehearsed game that follows a script each time rather than with football very much, you know, who knows where everyone's going to be 10 seconds from now. Is that right? I mean, I think it's I think it's a combination of both. I think I think American football is very, very strategic and 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 well thought through. And and each team will have plays that might be unique to the way that they like to play football. That sort of calls on the strengths of the members of their team, um, depending on sort of the type of defense that they're playing against. Um, I think they go into the game knowing the types of plays that they'd like to use. But like in soccer. You know, they will be reactive as well in terms of situation. So they might come into the, the game thinking we're going to play these type of, of routes and we're going to sort of we're going to run the ball more than we pass. But based on how the game's gone, they might actually have to change the strategy, perhaps if their opponents are behaving in a way in which they didn't anticipate. So I don't think it's as spontaneous, perhaps, as a soccer game. Um, but I do think there's an element of spontaneity and reaction as well as sort of planning. I'm so relieved so far that the way you've explained the game, I completely understand it. And everything you've said, I can picture in my head. But there were a couple of bits you said that I just wanted to pick up on. And one of them was that you said that whether you've got your offensive or defensive players on the field. So do you have 11 offensive and 11 defensive and the whole sort of squad rotates depending on whether you're attacking or defending? Or are there just a few key players that come and go and some that remain consistent? 
In a short answer, you switch the whole teams out effectively. So what's really unique about American football, I think, is that you have very specialist positions. And in, I would say, 98, 99% of the case, your players will play those positions. So, you know, you're not going to keep your quarterback on the field if you're playing defense. And if you were to look at the different types of positions on sort of the offensive versus defensive, you'll also see very different body sh- uh, body shapes and sizes. Your your offensive players tend to be smaller, quicker, more nimble. Your defensive players tend to be very, very large in stature. Um, I say slower. They're still extraordinarily quick athletes, but they're not necessarily the guys that you, know, you want trying to run your ball. So most of the time, the entire team completely switches out, which is why most NFL teams, well, most NFL teams and, and football teams have you know, 45 players on their active rosters. Um, And then you have, most other teams will have around, I think up to sort of 55 who are on their full-time roster, but not necessarily active. And then most other teams will have something called sort of a playing squad, which is around 12 players. Um, So most NFL teams, you know, you're looking at nearly 100 athletes, really. Um, (laughs) It doesn't sound and cheap, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, also, it's what's worth saying as well, which is quite different, I think, than a lot of other sports, is the the sheer size of the coaching staff um, for an NFL game is is massive. You you effectively have coaching staff for every single position, and, and most of them are active and out on the sidelines as well. So when you watch an NFL game, you will literally see what looks like a hundred people standing on the sidelines. Oh my goodness. So there's these hundreds of people, uh, the quarterback, the centre, they've both been mentioned. Who are the other sort of key people on the field of play? So when you look at your offence, you've got, there's several different roles that you play. So you've got your quarterback, which is sort of your your team leader as such. Um, You have your centre, you have guards, tackles, right wings, running backs, fullbacks, tight ends. And all of those guys play completely different roles. So for instance, your running back, is necessarily the guy that, you know, if the quarterback wants to make a, a throw and wants the, you know, the play to be run, that's who they're going to throw the ball to. Um, and then other people on on that particular team will be um, either running the ball or going up against the defense, which I know sounds contradictory, but you have something called an offensive line and a defensive line. So the defense's role is really to come at the offense to prevent them from moving the ball. So you actually have sort of pseudo offensive defensive players who try to stop the defense from moving forward. Um, And then on the defense side, you have roles like linebackers, defensive ends, quarterbacks, strong safeties, free safeties, defensive tackles, who again, all fulfill lots of different roles. Um, But I think as a beginner, just sort of knowing key players like the quarterback, center, running backs, and, and offensive and defensive line is, is a good place to start. The quarterback's the glamour player, is it? That, is that the, the Cristiano Ronaldo of the NFL? Is that the quarterback? Yes. The quarterback is to, again, use a soccer analogy, is your striker, effectively. I don't want to use the word team captain because that's not quite right, but they are sort of the center of, of the team. How do the people actually and the players get into the sport? Because I've read a lot that says you have to go through sort of like a college system and colleges play a really big part in kind of feeding players to teams. Do you have to go to college to be an, an American football star? So the short answer is no, but with a big but. 
So just to put it into perspective for your listeners, if you look at the largest football stadiums in America, the biggest NFL stadium ranks 15th on the list in terms of size. There are 14 stadiums in the United States that are bigger than the biggest NFL stadium, and they're all universities. And most of their capacities are well over 100,000. Okay. So Wow. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm telling you this to sort of paint this picture because I think when you say to someone, oh, well, you had to go to university to, to play in the NFL, you know, these players have been used to playing to these crowds for over four years. You roughly have about a million high school players a year playing American football. There's only a, roughly 300 places to, to give out every year in the NFL. So in order to be drafted, um, you don't have to go to university. However, you cannot leave high school and go play in the NFL. There are rules. So you have to be three years post high school. Um, most people in the U.S. graduate high school at 18, which means you need to be roughly around 21 years before the NFL will touch you. So you don't have to go to college. But I would say if you are not competing at a university level, for those three years, I don't really see how that would make you successful. Now, there are always rare stories where that does happen, but it's not the most preferred way. Um, the other thing to remember is that most American football athletes in, in university will get scholarships to play for four years, which means they get to go to university for free, which means that actually they will leave university with skills and a degree in something other than football. Um, and that's really important, again, because if only 1.2% of those individuals are making it to the NFL, it's amazing that they've been able to get an education and be able to go on and do something else. Um, that also goes into the fact that the average playing career of a professional American football player is only, on average, 2.66 years. Um, so with all of that in mind, you can not go to university, but it doesn't generally work that way. What ends up happening is the NFL have scouts absolutely everywhere. And then they have something called a national scouting combine. And the NFL will invite around 300 to 350 players. So the physical test would be things like bench pressing, 40-yard dashes, vertical leaps. There's extensive medicals, um, interviews with psychiatrists. The NFL's also created what they call more of a regional scouting combine, whereby you don't have to be necessarily invited. You can turn up to regional combines and you could basically go through the same physical skill sets. They'll then be put into a computer and you might then be invited back to be actually looked at by the NFL scouts. So playing college ball isn't essential, but it really, really helps. It feels, listening to this, like it's the system is, there's a slight bit of injustice here to people who either can't afford college or don't necessarily have the grades to make it to college. So if you are an incredible athlete and you're a real star, but you don't have the grades to get to university and you don't get that scholarship, you have no option but to get a job in the real world and slog it out and try and stay fit for three years before you get your chance? Um, I mean, I would, I would, there, there might be cases like that, but what I would say is if you have any amount of athletic ability or talent, you will be able to go to university in the United States, the athletic scholarships that are available and not just at the division one big schools, but smaller schools as well 
I would imagine most of those universities will have full ride scholarships, which means that all of your tuition, residency and books are paid for. Um, the grades are a really interesting point. Um, again, this is slightly different in the U.S. than the U.K., but if you're a high school athlete, you have to maintain a certain grade point average to be eligible to play high school football or any sport. So a lot of the schools for talented athletes have extra programs in order to help them achieve the right grades to be able to play. Um, and they're not looking for top marks. You know, they're looking for average marks, basically not failing. You know, you're turning up, you're doing the work. Um, and you're learning. And if you're doing that, you, you'll be able to get to go to university. So in a very minority case, there might be injustices. But if you're a talented athlete, you'll definitely get the opportunity to play college ball. I do really want to talk about the the game here in the UK, because that's something you are really passionate about. And this is the association you represent. But it'd be quite remiss of us not to just ask about the NFL, because we've said those three letters quite a few times so far. This is the National Football League uh it's is it 17 weeks of the season is the nfl there's also the super bowl how does all that run how does that all operate the way that things are run by the nfl is that the nfl takes in all of the revenue for tv marketing licenses for the nfl brand and equally distributes that revenue back to all of the clubs so that's kind of the model of how the nfl works um so there are 32 teams um, in the NFL. They are split between the NFC and the AFC. So NFC, it's easy, national football. AFC, American football. Those then are broken down further into sort of four divisions by geography. So you'll have sort of the, you know, um, the West, the East, the South, sort of different divisions. Um, you're right. There are sort of 17 weeks of, of I would say, regular season play. Um, but that's preceded by four weeks of, of preseason and sort of exhibition games. And the postseason in American football with the NFL is roughly around five weeks. That's your sort of playoff run. And then you'll have a team from the NFC who will play a team from the AFC. The Super Bowl, which most people are, I think, familiar with, is effectively crowning the league champions. And when there's actually a game on TV, I've seen a breakdown of kind of minute by minute broadcasts of American football. And this is a statistic that I almost don't understand. 8.3% of the coverage is the actual game. It says 35% of the coverage is players standing around and a quarter of it is commercials, 10% is replays. Without sounding really cynical, where's the, tell me the appeal of watching a game. I, I hear that statistic quite a lot. And as someone who has grown up in the sport and watches the sport, I, I completely understand it. And I will say that, you know, watching it on TV isn't necessarily for everyone, because I do think, especially if you're not into some of the nuances of the game, it can be quite tedious. It's like me when I came here watching cricket for the first time. Um, you know, <laughs> have a game that goes on for five days. Um, <laughs> And at the end, someone might not win. Um, but now... <laughs> Cricket's on the list for a future episode, and I'll be putting these questions to the expert that day as well. So, you know, there's a lot of sports. I think that if, if you're not a diehard fan, sometimes watching it on television can be quite challenging. I think the thing to remember about football is that people, especially in the US, you know, they've grown up watching high school football, college football, they now watch the NFL. It's almost a tradition. Yeah, the game's on for three and a half hours. And, you know, you might not watch every last minute of it. But actually, it's part of a ritual and something that's really important to you. Um, 
And also, just because the game isn't in play the entire time, you know, it's a lot more of a strategic game. You know, you have to think about the plays, the players are coming on and off the pitch. And and once you start to learn more about it, I think you'll find that actually you'll enjoy it a lot more because you're you're thinking about what the team should be doing. You're learning the different plays and you can get a lot more involved. Um, whereas when you watch sort of soccer, yes, the game is much shorter and it seems like there's a lot more active playing time, but actually that's because the clock just constantly runs. So whether players are walking around or just passing the ball back and forth to each other for 35 minutes doesn't necessarily mean that's exciting. So I would say, by the way, I love soccer. I just want to say that. But you get some teams that will pass the ball for 45 minutes and not do anything. And I would rather, in an NFL game, have four minutes of just absolute sheer adrenaline and, you know, just raw passion going on because the highs are so high when you watch the games. They've been playing NFL games in London since 2007. Uh, American football in the UK. Is it growing? Yes, it's actually one of the fastest growing sports in the UK. Um, At the minute, you know, as the British American Football Association, so we're the national governing body, so we're effectively the FA. We have 260 clubs all over the UK. Um, 87 of those are in our universities. Um, Within those clubs, we've got 557 teams, and we've got nearly 15,000 people who are registered who play. Um, So there's there's lots of people who play the sports. Um, and that doesn't take into account people who sort of turn up and play flag football in the park. So um, we are a, a huge growing sport here. And I think the NFL games have really helped sustain that momentum for us. You mentioned flag football. Is that like a different type of the game? Are there lots of different forms and types of American football? Well, I definitely wouldn't be aware of that we all might not be aware of. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. So you, you know, I think most people when they think American football, they think really large, burly men playing sort of full contact. Um, and in actuality, um, the fastest growing part of our sport is flag football, which is effectively like touch rugby. So there's no contact, um, and instead of tackling, you pull a flag off of off of, off of a belt, effectively. We also have different versions of the contact game, which can be played with less than eleven players. Um, sort of five on five, seven on seven. There's there's lots of different ways to play. I would say that the greatest strength of American football is it has to be the most inclusive sport out there. Whether you are looking to lose weight and have never done anything in your life, or you're sort of a you know a you know an elite athlete, there's a place for you on an American football team. Whether you're a kicker, quarterback, lineman, running back. There's a home for you within a team. Um, and if you don't like contact, you have the option of a flag. And again, there's roles for every type of body shape, size and gender. Um, we have women's contact football in this country, as do most other countries that play American football. Great Britain's team have have competed at the highest levels um, representing their country all over the world. Um, we were lucky to host the Women's European Championships here last year, which was full full contact. And we actually have women who play in um, and on some of our men's teams. So the British American Football Association, what are your main objectives? Is it to get more people playing? Is it to get more money into the UK game to help it grow? Kind of what's what's the big plan for you guys? The main objective of BAFA is to grow the sport. You know, we want every kid in this country to know that 
playing American football is an alternative to playing rugby, cricket, soccer. Um, and we want them to have the opportunity and accessibility to play the sport. So it's a lot of public relations. It's a lot of letting people know that, hey, if you like watching the NFL, come down to your local park, you can play. So that's the biggest part of the sport is to grow it. And, you know, it's essential that we bring money into the sport so that we can sort of continue to grow it. But fundamentally, we're a not-for-profit organization who wants to make sure that people can participate um, and do it safely and in, in, a, in a sort of suitable environment. All the information, you can find this on uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's Baffer Official and on Facebook, British American Football Association. Is there anything else uh, that an expert should really know about before we sign off, Nicole? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, I'm just trying to think of what if you're sat at a pub and someone's asking you a question. The only thing we didn't talk about is money. It's a not-for-profit podcast, actually, Nicole. Oh, and the money in the game. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming there is a hell of a lot of it. There is a lot of money in the the game overall. Um, However, the players do not make as much money as people think. Um, The sort of average player, um, NFL player, only makes around $2.7 million. Only. Um, Compared to the... Compared to the NBA, which is 7.1, and baseball, which is 4 million. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, most NFL player careers are only 2.66 years long. Um, so a lot of people think NFL players are, are substantially wealthy, um, whereby that's actually not the case. There is a salary cap in the NFL. Um, And the interesting thing is, unlike with the FIFA Fair Play rules, it's not based on your individual club's revenues. It's equally shared amongst every NFL team. And currently, it's $198.2 million. um, And every club has the exact same salary cap. So I think that's quite an interesting thing to sort of discuss over a pint. If you want to make the top dollars, you need to be a quarterback. Um, The top players in 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 the NFL are all quarterbacks. And if you look at the list of top player salaries, you have to get to number 16 on the list before you're not looking at a quarterback. Wow. Um, generally, where there's lots of money, then there's, there's usually controversy. If there's $198 million spread out amongst the team, uh, I'd imagine you've got the coaching staff and these huge stadiums and just getting 45 players back and forth from every game has got to be fairly costly. Where's all the rest of the billions of dollars in American football going? Is it lining an owner's pockets? Is, is that the controversial question that, that we're steering around here? Or? Possibly. Um, you know, the salary cap only goes to players. That does not include any sort of uh, coaching staff, anything like that. Um, I think the top coach, paid coach in the, in the NFL is, is Bill Belichick of the, of the Patriots, and he's on around $12.5 million. Um, but I would say that... American football is an expensive sport to put on, to play. You know, you're traveling around with 60, 70, 80 members of, of a team and coaching staff everywhere you go. Uh, and that's not to include sort of kits, et cetera. Um, it's probably one of the more expensive sports to actually put on. Um, so, yes, I would imagine a lot of the owners of NFL clubs um, do very, very well out of it. Um, but there'll be a lot of clubs that actually probably nearly break even based on that. But there's also a minimum salary that NFL players have to have. So when you get drafted as a rookie, your club has to play, pay you $480,000 a year for your first year. That is a, st- you know, they can't, they can pay you more, but as a standard wage, that's what you get. 
by the time you have seven to nine years of experience under your belt, the minimum you could be paid is $915,000. So from an equality perspective, what is nice that is that, you know, you will get, you will not get into a circumstance where someone's getting drafted into a less known club and they're not making a minimum standard wage. So at least there are minimum standards um, for the players in the NFL. Although you do then start to get a massive gap between someone on $480,000 a year and your top players who are on 30 to $35 million. That's a minimum wage I could get on board with. Um, so I suppose <laughs> uh, we just want to keep our fingers crossed that we get that kind of money into the UK game so that we can attract more yes. and more players and uh, make um, Baffer's work paying off. Fingers crossed, yes. Amazing. Uh, once again, you can find out more on Twitter and Instagram at BAFA Official and on Facebook, British American Football Association. Thank you very much for your time. The chair of the British American Football Association, Nicole McCulloch. Great. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to the 30 Minute Expert, the podcast that aims to make you an expert on a chosen topic in 30 minutes. Information on new episodes can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search 30 Minute Expert. That's 30 Minute Expert. You can also suggest topics for future podcasts. Just let me know what you'd like to become an expert at in half an hour or less.